Well, uh, welcome to Evergreen, everyone. It is a fall fun day, and I believe that they're me- that's meant for mostly the kids and youth, but can we, can we adults have a little fun this morning? Is that okay? Can, can the fun move into this room? Yeah, sure. Is that <laughs> Yeah. Let's carry do it. on, carry on, Carlos. We're going to do, do something a little bit different. If we haven't met, my name is Carlos. And I'm Ilsian. And we are going to uh, teach kind of like a conversational. So if, it, if it's a little different today, uh, it's because it is, and we're going to figure it out. So Come again next Sunday. It'll yeah. be different. Fill out a connection card and say, do that again, or be like, don't try that ever again. That, that was rough. Uh, we want to start by celebrating something. Yes, we got to celebrate your generosity. So we want to say thank you. We've been doing this whole um, October uh, Arms uh, Partnership where women who are victims of domestic violence, um, you guys are invited in to give to them to be able to help them out in a 15-week journey of healing. And our goal was to help 66 women be able to get help through this. Well, because of you and a very generous donor who matched every donation you gave up to $2,500, we have the ability to help over 66 women. Yes. So give it up. Way to Thank go. you, Lord. So we're grateful for that. We're also celebrating the growth of our youth ministry. How many are excited to have Mikhail and Nathan on the EU team yeah. doing their thing? So we wanted you to know that we are adding to what we are offering, particularly our high school students. So starting in January, January 8th, we are going to add a high school Sunday night gathering. So all the high schoolers in the room, uh, we've been thinking about how can we offer another space for you. We know that a lot of our high schoolers are highly active in their schools, and so Wednesdays are tough to gather. And so we thought, hey, Sunday nights. And so um, not only are we adding Sunday nights, we're keeping our Sunday morning middle school gathering, and we're keeping Wednesdays as a, a night where we can go deeper in discipleship in small groups and at the end of the month, gather for a youth worship service, everyone, all levels, to hear how God is working in those groups. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. So we're celebrating that. And parents, we're, we are inviting you to a parent info night on December 4th. So mark your calendars. You've probably already gotten the email. But if you're new here and you want to connect, please connect with Nathan and Mikhail about all things youth ministry. So we're pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We're also pumped because uh, it is spooky season. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, like, don't like spooky season. She, yeah. No, because, like, I don't know if we have that image, but, like, every time the commercials come on, if I'm watching something or, like, even the ads, like, that's, that's me. I'm like, I don't want to see this because then yeah. I'll have nightmares, even no, if I'm it's like, just the ads. Saying, that's a Geico commercial. Like, there's <laughs> nothing scary about that lizard. <laughs> Actually, so, no, I'm kidding. So, I feel different. I really like, what I like is I like this time of year seeing how creative parents get with their kids. I mean, some of you dress your kids up. You, you should get paid for the amount of work that you do on your child's costume. And so I think that's really cool. And then for teenagers, when I think of teenagers during spooky season, I think, man, they are paying way too much to get scared at that corn maze or that, uh, that scary movie. Uh, because I feel like as an adult, like I don't have to pay anyone to scare me, right? Like that's not how I wanna spend my money. If I want to be scared, I wake up and live in America in 2022. That's just what I do. 
I check what's, what's trending on Twitter, right? I, I go to their grocery store. Like, those instill enough fear and anxiety and worry, right? And so um, yep, that's... Yep, at the checkout line at the grocery store. That's definitely been my, like, whoa. Yeah, it's spooky. Look at that prize. Yeah, 365 um, days out of the year. Or if you're following, you know, uh, if you're seeing what's trending on Twitter, that's scary enough. Yeah. So anyway, we want to talk about this because I think it's a very common experience, a human experience to experience fear, to deal with anxiety, to deal with, um, what was the other one? Fear, anxiety, and, and worry. worry. Yeah. Right. They kind of all hang out together. Play cousins, I like they, to say. Yeah, they're, they're, they like to hang out. So um, we want to talk about that today. And um, to start us off with that, I want to just read a quote from this doctor. And he goes on to say, you know, and we all know this, that God created us as emotional beings. Like emotions are good. It's the way that you're wired. God gave you emotions. Um, and I am so grateful for them. And one of the reasons why we have this emotion of fear, it's supposed to be like fight or flight, right? It's supposed to help us stay protected and stay safe and stay alive. And so it's a good thing. But I think what happens sometimes and what he says is this fear is God-given emotion. And when our mind alerts us to danger, real or perceived, anxiety is what we feel when our body is responding to that emotion of fear. And then he goes on to say, worry is the thought process that moves over and gives power to the object of fear. So I am really good at that last one. Um, so this is what we're talking about today. Yeah, so when we think of fear, we think of an emotion. When we think of worry, we think of this circular thinking, a thought. And when we think of anxiety, we think of our body's emotional response to both those things. The physical response. The physical response. And so um, you... Uh, you and me, we all experience these, experience these things, right? Of course, some of us in larger amounts or in greater degrees and are in different manifestations. But what it means to be human is to feel these things and have these reactions. And uh, we find comfort in knowing that we aren't the only ones that Americans living uh, in today aren't the only ones. But that actually a lot of these emotions and experiences were experienced by people in the Bible, specifically Jesus' first followers. And so where we want to go with you today is to look at a moment in the life of Jesus where we believe he's addressing the disciples dealing with fear, anxiety, and worry, and hopefully be able to take a few things away that we can apply today. Yeah, so let's read. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. But if you have your Bible, we're going to invite you to open your Bible in the book of Mark, verses 35 through 41. Um, and again, if you don't have it, don't worry. It's up on the screen. But there's also a Bible app that's totally free for you called YouVersion. So... That is a really good resource to have. But it says in verse 35, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples, I know, seriously, the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm when he asked, Why are you afraid? 
do you still not, do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. So how many of you have read that story before? Yeah, many of you. Okay, I think more than half. I think we can close. Should we ask the band to come on up? <laughs> no. you, you've read the story. We want to make a few observations just really quick and then just give you some application. Um, so in verse 35, you know, it, Jesus invites them in. And so this is the first observation I want to make, that Jesus invites them to go to the other side, which means they're going to have to cross the lake. And so I think it's just very, like, insightful to know that when we follow Jesus or we're invited by Jesus, sometimes it'll be to the middle of a storm. You know, there's going to be opposition that's going to come up. So here they are. And then Jesus says um, this thing of, like, we're going to go to the other side, right? So what's on the other side is what, like, I want to know. Like, what's on the other side and why is it so important that we get there? Well, if you continue to read in Mark chapter 5, it says that there on the other side is a demon-possessed man. There you go, right? Write a movie about that. Um, and, and, and that's really what Jesus is bringing and inviting the disciples into this moment. And so I think for me, it's just to realize that Jesus is going to invite me to go with him. And sometimes going in the boat with Jesus is going to have me right in the middle of a storm. And the next verse says that, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. And what stands out to me is the fact that not only did Jesus initiate this adventure that they were about to have, but that he left what I believe. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and make an inference here that the disciples really enjoyed the crowds. Like, that was cool to them. Can you imagine, like, you follow this rabbi, and all of a sudden, everywhere you go, you are drawing crowds, like you're Drake or Taylor Swift? New album. Right? Because the, these, these are regular men, and all of a sudden, they're kind of in the center of this popularity, right? And, you know, we're, we're all kind of short-sighted, so I have to imagine some of them were like, hey, this kind of feels kind of good. Like, we're, these people are gathering, not reminding themselves it had nothing to do with them, and everything to do with this rabbi who is doing supernatural things. And so it's, it's, I, I just point that out because for them to leave the crowd, I believe, is representation of them leaving something that they really enjoyed. Mm. Now, how many of you have ever been invited into this adventure with Jesus and you start to experience hardship and then you go back and say, Jesus, I so much loved the place that you had called me from. Like, can we go back to the crowd? Because the crowd was fun. I got to crowd surf, right? Like, I was, you know, my, my Instagram followers grew. Like, that was really comfortable. But yet Jesus is saying, no, no, I have something I need to do. Mm -hmm. And it involves the other side of the lake. Yep. And as Ilsian said, who was on the other side of the lake? A soul. Mm -hmm. A soul that needed Jesus. Yeah. A soul that was oppressed. And Jesus was on mission to save that soul. And so I just, uh, just want to point that out. Yeah, and we continue to read in verse uh, 37, the very first part. It says, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat. And so I think one of the 
things that I really, I like to kind of look for the details in the text. And so I think um, in, in other versions, like the storm just shows up out of nowhere. So it's out of the blue. It's unexpected. There is no warning. It shows up. And I love that it's described as a fierce storm. If we look at the original language, that word is actually the word magas, which means a great, I'm probably mispronouncing it, a really great storm. And so it was not just any storm. And to think that the people that were in the boat were, were fishermen. They were people that were skilled. They, would, they navigated the seas. But for them to be at a point yeah. where they are terrified, it means that it's not just a com- common storm. But there is something about the storm that one of the um, authors I read, he said, it was the storm from hell. Like, that's the kind of storm that they were experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it makes me think of the fact that um, sometimes when we get on this invitation from Jesus and we are now caught in this unexpected, sudden, sudden, fierce storm, like, we have to root ourselves in who got us there. And it just made me think of our experience. Because maybe you're here today and you're facing something that feels fierce, that feels out of the blue, and you're asking yourself, God, like, what's up? Yeah. What are we doing here, God? I know for us, uh, our family journey involved making this faith decision that meant we believed God invited us to move our family from Los Angeles to Hillsborough, and we were confident in that invitation. Like, it came out of the blue. We wouldn't have made it up ourselves. We're so glad we did it, but in the midst of months into that decision, like you, we were in a global pandemic, away from everything that we knew familiar. And then on top of that, personally, we had a child who had high, high medical needs. And so, we were in a storm, and it was sudden. And let me tell you, the, the thing that helped, although it was scary and, it, and there was nights of worry, the thing that helped was our confidence that we were here because Jesus led us here. Yeah. And so if I could be any encouragement to you is ask yourself, where you are at, did God lead you there? Because if he did, he's going to see you through. He's with you in that boat. But if you ended up there on your own, you got to admit that. You got to redirect yourself. But then Jesus will meet you there too. That's Amen. the awesome thing about grace. Amen. And so, you know, and I think one of the things that what Carl's talking about is like we, God was inviting them, Jesus was inviting them into this assignment of seeing this man be delivered, be, be freed from this oppression and it's in that midst of assignment that, this, that the, the waves come and they hit against the boat, right? So it just got me thinking that sometimes um, there is going to be things um, in your assignment as parents, in your assignment as students, in your assignment as mothers and fathers and grandparents um, that are going to come against you, that are going to hit hard. Um, there's going to be opposition that comes. And it doesn't mean for you to give up on what God's called you to do. But it means, man, know that in there, like, Jesus is with you. So I just want to remind us of that. Yes. And it says that Jesus, in verse 38, he was doing something that caused a giggle as we read it for the first time. Jesus, while this fierce storm was happening, he was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. 
how nice Jesus, right? <laughs> He's just, might as well be on a hammock, right? He is perfectly peaceful. And so we have to ask ourselves, what, what does Jesus know that the disciples don't? Because they're having two very separate experiences. Yeah, it's almost like it's a different scene. Because yeah. the disciples are over here panicking and the waves are hitting and Jesus is like on a pillow. <laughs> it's not even, you know, kind of fall asleep, your neck kind of goes this way. And that. No, he is like, I'm going to comfortably slip. So there's just such a contrast in the scenes. And, and so what, what did Jesus know that the disciples had maybe forgotten or had yet to learn? Well, one thing that we know about Jesus is he knew his mission. He knew that he was sent by the Father to save souls. And his greatest act of doing that would be to what? To die on a cross. On a cross. Was that a surprise to Jesus? Mm-mm. No, he was talking about it. He was preparing his disciples, that that would be his death. And so Jesus knew that he was not sent to earth to die in a storm. And so because he knew who held his eternal well-being, who held his destiny, he could sleep. And the disciples had yet to understand this, not to knock them, but you can just see that when you know whose you are, in whose destiny you have, then you can have this peace that surpasses all understanding. And so the Bible tells us, he says, when we have anxiety, we can cast our anxiety on him because he cares for us. We read this in 1 Peter chapter 5. And that's, that's such a helpful verse. It's, it's, one, it's the go-to verse, right, when thinking about anxiety. But there's a verse right in front of there that I believe, right before that, that I believe is important. Verse 6 says, humble yourself, therefore, under, the, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast your anxiety. And so what I, what I see in the sequence there is that first there's this humbling, there's this surrendering to God that first needs to happen. And who better modeled a surrendered life than Jesus? Yeah. I'm here to just remind us, there is power in a life submitted to God when it comes to our fear, our anxiety, and worry. Yeah, and and verse 38b, the second part of it, says the disciples woke up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? Um, And I want to kind of um, really take my time here because I feel it's one of the things that the Lord's been kind of been speaking to me, especially throughout this week. Um, but see, the disciples in that moment, they're like, don't you care that we're going to drown, right? So they have lost their hope, you can kind of say, and their words reveal, their actions and their words reveal that they've already figured out how the story might end. They had already jumped to the conclusion. This was it for them. And, um, one thing I know about crisis, and I'm sure you've discovered this too, is that crisis is what tests our convictions, that it's in a crisis that you really, uh, it's revealed what you truly, truly believe. And so one of the questions that I've been asking myself this week and I felt the Lord confronted me with was what narrative are you telling yourself? What narrative are you believing? Um, and so 
you know, a good narrator in a story will tell you what's going on in the context and the everything. And so sometimes we are the narrators of our own life, or sometimes it's somebody else that comes to try to narrate what's going on, and it's not necessarily the best interpretation of our life events. And so um, there was this one time um, where I was leaving work. I used to work, when I used to work in LA, I was in ministry, I was working with youth, and um, I remember leaving work, and all of a sudden, I was experiencing, I was having a physical reaction that I've never experienced in my life, and I just remember, like, I started hyperventilating. I was kind of like, I'm like, okay, I need to pull over because I'm driving on the 405 freeway, and this is not safe, and so I was having this experience, and the thought that I could not quiet or pause or stop. You know, when it's like a broken record or when your phone glitches and like it's not, you know, the music keeps playing and you're like, why isn't it stopping? It was like that moment. Like it wasn't stopping and this, the thoughts, and I'm going to share them um, and excuse the language, but this, I'm just going to be really honest about the thoughts that were in my head. Um, but it was, you suck as a leader. You are doing a terrible job. You're not reaching youth. Just give up. You're not good at this. And it just kept playing over and over and over again to the point that I started having a physical reaction. I lost the rhythm of my breath and started hyperventilating. And I had to really, like, invite Jesus into that moment because I didn't know what to do. I had been with my friends when they were going through an experience like that, but I've never lived through it on my own. And so it was really this experience of saying, like, okay, Jesus, like, how do I trust you in this? I've never gone through anything like this. Um, but I think that it's that narrative. It's that narrative that we're hearing that sometimes comes from criticism, sometimes comes through the, a lot of times comes through the enemy, and sometimes comes through our own negative self-talk, that narrative that we tell ourselves. And um, I, you know, and one of the other things about this passage is, is, you know, the storms or the circumstances, difficult circumstances, situations that we face, like, they will have us expecting that God should respond in a certain way. And when he doesn't, we assume that he doesn't care. Or we assume that he's not really God and mighty and powerful. Because if he was, then why aren't you doing what I expect you to do, God? And so I think this is the moment that the disciples are having um, at that moment. Um, so, yeah. Says that Jesus' response uh, to their their cry for help as he wakes up, he rebukes the wind and said to the waves, "Silence, be still." Suddenly, just as fast as the storm came, the storm was calmed. It says, "Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm." And I have to imagine that these men who had grown up through uh, Israel literature and they knew the Hebrew Bible, all of a sudden had an opportunity to make a connection of who Jesus might be. Because we read in the Hebrew Bible a God who is able to, to be able to split a sea. And here's a man who's able to calm a sea. And so if they were paying attention, they were able to now, with this inquisitive question, who is this man, they were able to make a connection, this man has something to do with the God that we've based all our traditions, our hope. And so it, it then becomes real. God is there in front of them. God is there in the boat because of his ability 
to command a nature. It was a sign of Jesus' deity mm-hmm. that he was the son of God. Um, because in the middle of difficult things, you know, we were calling them storms in this passage, but in the middle of things that come against your life, I think that um, fear has a strong influence on the story that you're going to tell yourself. But to know that Jesus is there and to know that you can go to Jesus. Um, maybe he won't respond in the way that you would have wanted him to respond, but that he is present there. Um, but I love that even in the midst of that, Jesus engages them, and Jesus meets them there, and he asks them, like, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And um, I think that this, this thing that Jesus is getting at, it's like, you are, you're fearful, you know, and he's acknowledging, like, that, that is what you're feeling. And I think that um, over and over again in the Bible, we read passage after passage that says, do not fear. So I don't think that God is saying, like, don't feel fear at all because that's impossible. He wired us to feel it. But what I think he's saying is don't let fear lead you. Don't let fear control you. Be strong and courageous for I am with you. So to me what that is saying is when you're feeling scared in the middle of what I've called you to do, be strong and courageous and take your courage from knowing that I am with you. Um, And... So to me, that was something that was very needed for this week. Um, again, going back to like the narratives that the enemy will try to, to, to play or the fear, um, the, the influence that fear has on your narratives. Um, one of the things that I really struggled with this week or I think even um, before I married Carlos, um, I briefly have shared the story. But, you know, in my early 20s, I wanted nothing to do with marriage. Because I had seen how not successful the marriages in my life were. Um, and I was like, no, thank you. I'm going to tap out of that one before I even get there. And then um, in my late 20s, I felt like the Lord really did work in my heart. He allowed me to live with a family that adopted me. And then I saw the first, for the first time a healthy marriage. And I was like, wow. So it's like possible to talk to your spouse without like yelling and throwing things. Okay, this is good. Um, there is hope. And so it just kind of awakened me this desire, like maybe it, maybe I should look at this marriage thing. And then it became something that I desired and wanted. And um, weeks into our marriage, the thought or the narrative that I was being told is like, you made a mistake. You should have never married this guy. And I had to like fight. And I had to, like, go to um, a mentor at the time and say, like, hey, I am really struggling with this thought. And, and you know, through, through counsel and through prayer and through wisdom, but through even me realizing, like, and then this week, I don't know why this week, the enemy was just like, let me just kind of play in your mind a little bit. And so this week, I, I told Carl, I'm really struggling. I, like, keep thinking and, and like, afraid that, you know, our marriage is going to fail. And I know that that narrative is an attack of the enemy on our union, on our marriage. Um, and one of the things that I told Riker this week in our one-on-one session was like, man, your, your ministry is only going to be as strong as your marriage is. So, and, and so I know that the enemy is like, that, you know, coming against us and we're not fighting or anything. And it's not Carlos. He's not doing anything he's not supposed to do. I'm the perfect um, husband. <laughs> <laughs> Notice, uh, I just, no, I just listened. No, no, yeah. don't exaggerate. Don't exaggerate. Um, um, Two weeks in, though. That's, that's, I'm, so, <laughs> I know. I'm so glad she didn't tell me that. I, <laughs> I did it. I, I, I thought things have been great the whole time. 
I'm having a whole different experience. I'm, my, my head's on a cushion. <laughs> He's just finding this out, right, right. <laughs> um, but it's this reality that this is how the enemy attacks me, how he tries to convince me um, or get me distracted from the assignment that God has for me this week. Another fear, as many mothers or parents in the room have discovered, having a child brings a whole set of fears that you didn't know were possible. And so one of the fears this week was, you know, Charlie caught whatever virus is happening or going around. So her lips turn blue, and of course I freak out because that means her oxygen levels are low, so what do I do, you know? And so we're rushing to the ER and having to deal with that. Um, and I won't even share what else happened this week because I'm going to spare you from that. But... Um, it's just been a week. Yeah. And so I think in the midst of all that we're trying to do and God's calling you to do and your family and, you know, the things and the dreams that he's planted in you, there is going to be opposition to what God's called you to do. Yeah. But, man, you are called to serve. You are called to love your spouse. You are called to love your children. You are called to be a parent. So don't give up that assignment just because it gets hard or complicated. Be the student that God's called you to be in the midst of all that. I just want to end with, with a short story. Um, a lot of times our fears, um, they're, I mean, fears are real and we're facing some, some tough things. And, and I know that many families right now in the church are facing some significant uncertainty and we're, we're praying about those things. And, um, and, then, and then there's a lot of times where, where some of our fears can just be silly. Um, and so I want to just share a time where I think I had, I had a silly experience where uh, I went uh, rafting with some buddies, and it was a class three rapid in Kings County in California, and it was my first time, and it was kind of a guy's trip, and we were having a blast, and me and my closest friends were on this raft, and the guide said, hey, we're about to approach this rapid called Swimmer's Rapid. You're all invited to jump in right? None of my buddies do. <laughs> at least they don't start to. And so me and my, my, my best friend, uh, we look at each other and we're like, we got this. We, let, let's, let's dive in. So here we are. We dive into this swimmer's rapid on the, on the command of the guide. And I kid you not, I am immediately fighting for my life. <laughs> because the first wave comes over my head and I wasn't expecting it and I take a gulp of water and I am in panic mode. And lucky for me, I wasn't alone because I caught for a second the stare of my best friend and we both looked at each other and we're like, we're, we're going to die together here. <laughs> like, this is, this is it. Like, we've had a good run. I love you, brother. You know, we just had a moment, right? We at least had that. We were going to cherish that. And so I'm fighting, you know, and this is seconds. I'm fighting and I'm trying to get to the surface. And then I start to hear a voice become clearer. And it's the guide's voice. And he's telling me something that he's been repeating now for a while. He's saying, relax. Relax. And finally, I... I, I I, I'm able to hear the word because I, I, I think I stopped for just enough time to hear him say, relax. So what do I do? I relax. 
and the life jacket that I'm wearing does its job. It brings me to the surface. And then he says, just sit back. So what do I do? I sit back. And now I go from fighting for my life to just like, I'm in a hot tub, just chilling. It just makes me think of some of the things that we're going through where we just need to trust the life vest. Allow God to be God and to rest on him and allow him to do the work. And so whatever you're going through, I hope that maybe some of us can find that, that word and that we can experience what I experienced that day, which was peace instead of panic. Um, And, you know, verse 41, it says the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds and waves obey him. So not only does a storm or difficult circumstances have a way of revealing what we truly believe and what some of the narratives are, but it also reveals who Jesus is. So I think that's the hope for me. That in the midst of a difficult thing, I'm like, oh, man, I get to discover who Jesus is at a deeper level. And so um, I think, yeah, and so that's something that you don't learn unless you experience it. Um, and so I just want to give you some practical things that helped me or I felt like the Lord used to really help me this week to kind of deal with the fear and the uh, narrative. Um, so once I asked myself a few questions, and this was taken from the POS app, and that's from John Eldritch. But one of the questions is, does my emotional state reflect my trust in God? And so I asked myself that, does my emotional state reflect my trust in God? And I, I journaled about it. And another question I asked myself is, what narrative has my attention right now? You know, is it the economy? Is it, you know, different things I'm hearing? Um, or what is the story or na- narrative that I'm believing? And is Jesus central to that story? Because if Jesus isn't, then it should tell you that it's not what you need to hear. Um, and so for me, it was processing those thoughts and inviting Jesus saying, Holy Spirit, would you show me how these thoughts are really messing up my peace or how I'm giving into this fear because I am not trusting who you want to be in this moment for me. So we want to invite you to do that. So right there where you are, I know that maybe there's unspoken fears that you're facing. Do you close your eyes uh, in this room or online? You, if you want to close your eyes, you can too. Um, but to just give you a minute to invite the Holy Spirit, to invite the Lord to say, Lord, will you show me? Show me where the narrative is telling me something that is not true where it is not showing that you are present and absolutely central to the story of my life. And Holy Spirit, I pray that with everybody's eyes closed, you would bring that revelation to mind. And Lord, I also want to ask that um, in the midst of the fear and anxiety and the worry that some of us might be dealing with, that you would help us to trust you, to go to you just as the disciples did, and to tell you about it and to invite you in. But also, Lord, I want to ask you to bring your peace, your voice, that instruction that's going to help us to see you and reveal who you are.
And with everybody's eyes closed, if there's anybody in the room today that wants to say yes or put their faith in Jesus, maybe you've been living the journey of life without Jesus, without placing your faith and trust in him. He loves you. He died for you. On the third day, he rose again so that you would know life and life forevermore. So if you're in this place and you want to make a decision for Jesus today with everybody's eyes closed, I want to invite you to look up at me so that I can agree with you as you make that decision today. If you're online and you want to make that decision today, would you type Jesus on the chat and we'll know that that's you. So if there's anybody here that wants to make a decision for Jesus, put your faith in Jesus today. Just look up at me so that I can agree with you today. Father, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are the one that delivers us. You are the one that takes us and leads us to that place where you know growth and faith will be evident, Father. So fill us with hope today, with joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.